Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's a double shot from our featured artist today, Vanilla Bloom. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
was Vanilla Bloom from their brand new release, and we've got Jacob on the line right now. Hey, Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Now, this is the first time you've come on our show, and we always like to give our fans this opportunity to get to know an artist, to get to know who you are and how you got to where you are today. And the best way to do that is through your story. So give us the story of Vanilla Bloom and of you, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in a relatively small town in northern Minnesota. Uh, I started drumming at my church when I was fairly young, maybe 7th or 8th grade. I'd always had an interest in songwriting, but I didn't actually find my way into that field until much later in life. I started a career in insurance, actually, um, around the age of 18 or 19, and I started writing these songs, and it became so obsessive for me that I would begin writing lyrics at my desk or coming up with different parts while I was working at this insurance company, and by and large, I became so disinterested in my actual career and more interested in the prospect of my music career um, that I ended up losing that job. Um, so I moved back to my hometown and I really started to try to put my best foot forward in terms of songwriting and production approaches to really try to make this thing into something that I can make into my livelihood. Um, and the passion's really grown from there. And I've met some other musicians who have obviously helped me along the way and it's been an amazing experience so far so i'm excited to see where this takes me okay well let's talk a little bit about uh this new release when you were putting it together um what was your goal for this what were you looking to achieve um i was i was trying to strike this balance between a project that felt personal to me, but also was progressive in nature musically. Um, I wanted to blend a lot of different genres and styles from music that I personally enjoy a lot myself, um, but really create this sonic environment that sounded unique to me that the listener could fully immerse themselves in. I've always been... Um, a fan of the album, uh, the front to back listen, the full experience, um, you know, everything from Pink Floyd to, you know, other masters of the concept album nature. Um, and I tried to take this approach where I explored the themes of childhood and naivete in a way that I thought um, maybe nobody else had before, because those are things that are important to me, I guess, so. Yeah, that's pretty much what I wanted to go with. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that process of songwriting. Um, every songwriter has their way of, of getting things going, tapping into the muse. What is your process when you sit down to begin to write that gets, gets those gears running for you? Um, for me, I've always found it helpful to start with melody. So oftentimes when I'm working on a song, I will more or less be singing gibberish. And as long as it has a rhythm and tonality that is pleasing to the ear, 
and seems like it's a unique melody to me. I know I will eventually find my way to the lyrics and the sort of underlying meaning of the song. Um, and other songwriters have, you know, in interviews and things condemned this style or, or this approach rather, but for me, it's very obsessive. So I don't give up on a song until I feel like it's done. It's almost like, um, I think of it as a sculpture. So the song is not finished until it looks and has the exact structure that I imagined in my head. Um, and so for me, that means that I can sometimes be working on songs for months to years, which is why it took me, you know, two or three years just to even get this debut album finished and put out. Um, every song that you hear on the album has had a couple of dozen versions previous to that. So I don't know, definitely a per perfectionist approach to it all. Okay. Now, um, you had mentioned that you start with melodies, and I find that the process of finding melodies is a very different process than finding lyric. Uh, a lot of songwriters, when they go look for melodies, either work off a groove or they work off a chord structure. What's kind of your go-to when you start looking for melodies? I will certainly go off of a chord structure, I think, more often than anything else. Um, for me personally, at a certain point, I realized that most chord progressions have probably already been used by somebody else. And so the effort to find a brand new one is likely going to be in vain. So finding a new way to use chord progressions that already exist but have a certain color or tonation in your mind that fits the mood that you're trying to elicit with the song once you get that down and you start with something that is pleasing to the ear the melody seems to arrive relatively naturally at least for me um at least when a point when my mind is relaxed enough to access that spot i feel like once I begin trying too hard or trying to force that melody to come, it, it doesn't work. It's kind of an interesting spot in the psyche where you're actually able to access that. Um, and I'm not sure if I can really put my finger on what that is, but it's most certainly not overthinking it, if that makes sense. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as tools when they sit down to write, whether it's their cell phone to capture ideas or they have a home recording studio. What are some of the tools that you find indispensable when you sit down to begin that process of writing a song? Well, I certainly do use my phone. Um, I use the basic feature of the voice recording. Um, I have a couple thousand of those on my phone right now, just filled with basically clips and song ideas that I've been working on for the last couple of years. I realized at a certain point that it was 
very easy to forget a melody that I had come up with if I didn't find a way to immediately record it so that I could reference it later. So that's pretty much how I utilize that. It's a bit disorganized, and sometimes I have to sift through all of these things that I don't even remember that I'd written months before, but sometimes you find some gems, so it's worth getting those down. Um, But other than that, I actually did do a lot of the recordings for this debut album at home, essentially in a makeshift home studio. Um, I did embrace the lo-fi sound and approach a little bit in that regard. Um, I did maybe 25 or 30% of it in an actual studio, but I embraced some aspects of the imperfections of home recording in order to have the ability to do it on a reduced budget, uh, to do a lot of it during COVID, and just to be able to take as much time as I really needed on it. Okay. Um, All right. So yeah. now let's talk about going into the studio. Um, having a good song gives you something to say, but going into the studio creates the identity for not only the song, but also you as an artist. And every artist has their way of working in that environment to capture their sound. What's your process when you get into the studio that helps you get your sound? Well, like I said, for me, the whole writing process is so obsessive that I will often have demo versions recorded of every single individual instrument that I want to lay over the track. So I kind of have all of the pieces in mind. But once you get into the studio and start working with the instruments that they have there, um, the compressors and, you know, preamps they have on board there, those sounds can change the way you approach things completely. Um, you know, you can hear one synthesizer and realize that you want to reconstruct the sound based on that alone so for me i guess i come into it with an open mind and a willingness to completely rehash a song if it means that it's going to turn out into something better um and other than that i i I think i got pretty obsessive about we we just did a ton of overdubs and multi-track recordings um Everything from harp to piano to violin to rototoms. Um, but anyways, o- overall, I'd, I also like to be um, aware and open to the influence of other musicians. And my, my friend Kenneth Zierman, he, he had a massive influence on the way this album sounded when it finally came out, just not only with his bass playing and his electric guitar playing, but a lot of his recording techniques and production visions were very essential to how this thing sounds today. So, you know, collaboration is always a good thing. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit more about the lineup on this. Who else is on it? Um, I'd I'd say the recordings are probably 80% me. Um, And then... Kenny did maybe 15%, that friend that I mentioned, um, and he actually mixed and recorded and produced 
most like all of the final product. Um, so like I said, he was very essential. And then I had my friend Nolan Jusula, who is an amazingly talented multi-instrumentalist. And he played the harp and the violin and a couple other parts as well. Um, the saxophone, but yeah, it was pretty much the three of us, honestly. Okay. Now, of course, once you get a project recorded, you have to get it out to press. You got to get it out to radio. You got to create that buzz. And um, you're working with Tinderbox with uh, Krista Valenkis. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. How did that get started? Well, I had heard about her through my friend, Kenny Zierman, who is fairly connected to the music scene in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. I am absolutely terrible with the whole publicity aspect of getting your foot in the door in the music industry. And she just has a wealth of knowledge and contacts and um, has just been wonderful to work with so far. Um, she's been doing this a long time and networking is such a big deal really when you're building any career and she's just been amazing to find me contacts, get me set up with interviews and yeah, she really knows her stuff very well. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit, of course, about the business. Um, we, you know, we both know that over the last 20 years, the digital revolution has changed the music industry dramatically. Uh, the consumer now really has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. The problem is, is that recorded music has lost its value. The consumer no longer looks at it as a product to purchase anymore. It's now a service. It's They expect it on their phone. If they hear about an artist... They, they expect to be able to go on their phone, look up the artists, listen to their all of their music, and, and this, then decide whether they like the artists or they add them to the playlist. But this is not costing them any extra. And if they don't find an artist on these streaming services, they discount them. You know what I mean? It's like a double-edged sword. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, it's it's very interesting that you bring this up because kind of along the lines of what I said before, the, the bar for creating a nearly prof professionally produced sound from home is so evened out across the board because of technology that almost anybody really can get their music out there to a spot where anyone can have access to it and hear it. But the direction of funds to those artists as a virtue of the value of recorded music has been reduced so much because of just that immediate access. So you almost have this dichotomy that's being created and we really need to find a way for artists who put their music out there on streaming services to somehow um, be able to make their livelihood back because it pretty much got reduced to live music and merchandise as far as I can tell. That's the only way for musicians to make money these days. And with COVID, 
that really put a lot of people in a difficult situation who are trying to keep this career going, you know? Um, okay. So, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Now, you know, we both know that the way things are going right now with the amount of revenue that's being generated from recorded music on streaming services for the independent artists, uh, because we know that the record companies went to Spotify, they made their own deals with Spotify, and they basically get a lion's share of that pie. And what was left was pretty much given to the independent artist as a take-it-or-leave-it type of mentality. So it's not sustainable. We can't continue to believe that we can con- co- you know, keep creating new music in the independent world if it's not economically feasible, you know, to go in and record it. Um, So we need to have something different. We need to have an evolution in the streaming services. And one of the things that I've seen is that there are streaming services that are now being created um, on the blockchain that promises to pay up to 90% back to the, to the artists themselves, you know, uh, streaming services like Audius and, and Emanate. Um, what do you think of that as being part of the future of the industry? And do you think that may make a difference? Yeah. Some of those examples that you gave, I, I think they would be excellent choices. And I think independent musicians really need to start considering making the shift to some of these streaming services that actually supply the appropriate revenue to the artists who are (laughs) drawing these services attention. Um, It might take quite a while for us to make this shift. It might be a slow process, but I think it's an important one to start demanding that, you know, artists who are market their talent and their skills get paid appropriately for doing so um and i i honestly can't see too much of uh a risk or a disadvantage to moving to some of these streaming sites because it's not like anybody besides the very tip top of the popularity is really getting much of an advertisement boost from spotify itself Um, Now, the question is, will consumers begin following along with these artists and moving towards these other streaming services rather than Spotify? I guess that's another question as well, because as you said before, the way people value music has completely changed, and it's all about the instant gratification of listening to whatever they want to listen to, which in in a lot of ways is a good thing, but it's definitely a double-edged sword so yeah that's for sure Um, well you know one of the things um that i've noticed is that when the pandemic hit a lot of artists started to go go up onto the internet and they started live streaming and then they started to realize you know by posting on social media about their you know puppies and kittens and you know cooking and you know hiking and whatever else they do that the fans actually gravitated towards this because of this, I guess, reality show mentality. And they've a lot of artists started to realize this is a great branding opportunity. And the brand now has become the product. 
because if you want your fans to invest in you, like through, you know, NFTs that that allow them to purchase, you know, streaming royalties or anything else that you may, you know, make available to them, um, they 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 need to have a way to invest in the artist through that brand. What are some of the things that you guys are doing to kind of um, navigate this world of content and social media marketing? Well, I am not very skilled in this area at all, but I am certainly trying to create a certain brand or universe to market myself with. Um, I think it was an interesting point that you made that people are attracted to the artists who post aspects of their personal lives and things that they're doing outside of their creative endeavors. I think people do like the fact that um, a lot of their favorite musicians are just people like them and have a lot of this, uh, similar interests to things that they do. Um, it kind of removes the veil of kind of idolatry that people have surrounding artists and it's interesting that that would make them more popular, but I, I do think it's something that actually attracts people. Um, but something that I'm doing specifically is trying to create a lot of artwork that is visually, aesthetically recognizable to being a product of Vanilla Bloom. Um, I've worked with some visual artists, that I met in college and some that I found through Reddit, the forum website, and also some that I found through Fiverr, uh, which is an amazing website to find um, creative individuals who are trying to market their skills. Um, I had somebody from Fiverr in Morocco make me a music video. So really trying to create the visual aesthetic surrounding the music and I'm also po posting pictures of my dog on my Instagram as well because people there love There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put a dog up somewhere, you know, or a kitten or oh, something. Yeah. You know, or even just, <laughs> you know, borrow a baby. You know, you, just, you need something. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. Thank you.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. 